Good morning. My name is Tim Mead. We've had greetings from around the world and congratulating our church. And I'm here this morning as a member of our church to tell you how excited I am that I'm a part of what God is doing here today. First, I want you to see a picture of the first building of our church. Just a small, simple building, which was a mission of the Petersburg churches. Now, let's have a look at our church at its 50th anniversary. Wow, what a change. What a difference there was. I was a part of that great celebration. Next, let's look at the picture of the celebration choir for that service. On the back row, on the uh, left side, is our senior pastor, James Mead, who just happened to have been my father. Standing next to him is a handsome young man, me. Uh, haven't changed a bit in 50 years, have I? And then on the end of the row, the other way, is my younger brother, Rod, who is here at the church today. And there were 19 of us in the choir. Now let's look around this room that we're in. Do you remember what it looks like on the days when all the combined choirs are here? How full it is? And how wonderful the services are? You know, that's just the foundation of what God wants to do here in the next few years. I'm so glad to be a part of that. And watch your part in God's plans for our church. You know, we want to be the church that 804 cannot do without. How many satellite churches will we have in the future? Uh, not just Midlothian. How many ongoing missions, not just the Ukraine or Zimbabwe or Nicaragua and Haiti? How many people sent out around the world from this church? What is your part in this? May our hearts cry out. We will go where you want us to go. We will say what you want us to say. We will be what you want us to be. Philippians 3 verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Matthew 25 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what we want to hear one day. We want to be faithful to do what he's called us to do in this church and the ministry here. My fault. I turn it on. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here today. I, I don't know if you heard the passage clearly there that uh, Jordan read, but it, out of Psalm 121, it says, the Lord does not sleep or slumber. So good news, God did not lose an hour of sleep last night. So just hang on him to get through the rest of the day and the, and the week ahead. Boy, it's good to see everybody here on this, I guess what you might call like one of the hardest Sundays of the year to go to church, uh, having that hour taken away from us. But appreciate your devotion, your commitment to be here this morning. So yes, that was Tim Mead. And if you picked up some of the things he was saying there, the Mead family, uh, and it's him, it's his brothers. Of course, he has children and grandchildren here, but they have uh, been a part of the Heights for over 50 years. And we actually have a lot of people who've been a part of the Heights for over half of the history of this church. Kind of a unique thing about the Mead family is he, he was here, of course, as a pastor's family, as his dad was the pastor in the late 60s and 
early 70s, so they kind of had that angle and view of the church, and now here as a, as a part of the congregation. So they've just been a tremendous family. We love the Mead family and uh, appreciate his words sharing with us there today as we now don't continue but conclude our, our six weeks of celebrating a hundred years at the Heights. And remember, if the reason for the six years, I mean, six weeks is each week is a core value. You see, when we talk about celebrating our past, that almost sounds like a cliche. What, what does that even mean? Well, for me, what it means is that we stop and think, you know, we've arrived at a hundred years and I would say kind of healthy, e- even thriving. Do you realize that is not the norm for a church in America? It's not to arrive at this juncture healthy, thriving. And so I think it kind of begs the question of us, what are we doing? What have we been doing so that, that we've got this opportunity? And, you know, there's a lot of things we'll focus on here in the life of our church. We talk a lot about our vision. You heard Tim refer to that. Man, in the next 10 years, the Heights Baptist wants to be a church that the 804 cannot imagine being without by ex- uh, expanding to five campuses, extending the reach of Love 804 so that the purpose is... We have our greatest opportunity to share God's word. Did you notice the first couple words I said? In the next 10 years. You see, when we get to 2027, we get to 2028, we're we're actually going to put a pause. Right now, that's our target on the wall that we're aiming at. But we'll reach a place where we kind of evaluate, hey, what's going on in the life of our church? What's going on in our culture, in our community? Do we need to adjust? Do we need to seek the Lord on a different target that we're aiming at? We'll do that. Visions can change. Missions can change. But what doesn't change is our core values. That That's your DNA. That's what comes up out of your bones. That's, that's what's been here since day one. And so that's why we have spent so much time, six weeks, looking at these core values. And that brings us today to Sunday Fuels the lifestyle. We've got to have fuel to make this thing happen. You know, I, I, I've, I've walked on the earth a, a significant amount of time now, and I've discovered that every day, every single day, two, three times a day, I've got to stop, whether I want to or not, and most of the time I do, I've got to stop and feed myself. I've got to stop and have food. It's the way I was made. I've got to put food in to keep going every single day. 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. I've got to go to sleep. It gets earlier and earlier, by the way. But I've got to get the fuel of sleep. It's the way I was designed. It's the way we were all designed, right? We've got to have food. We've got to have sleep. Now, when I say we've got to have, we actually can do without it, can't we? We, we can survive, we can keep going without either food or sleep. As a matter of fact, sometimes we choose to go without, and, and for good reasons. I mean, I, I, there's things I want to accomplish, there's things I want to do, and right now I don't want to eat. Right now I don't want to, I don't want to sleep. And my guess is, most of the time, if not all of the time that we make that choice, it works. We accomplish what we wanted to accomplish by not eating, by not sleeping in that moment. And so we would say, well, it doesn't, I mean, yeah, I need that fuel, but it doesn't kill anybody to to go without it. We we can accomplish, we can survive, and, and you can until the price is paid. 
Because anytime you and I are living above or beyond how we are designed, there's going to be a price. There may be a profit in the, in the short term, but there's going to be a price sooner or later. You know, five years ago, five years ago this April, uh, I had open heart surgery and thought I was pretty healthy. Prior to that, as a matter of fact, didn't have any of the kind of things going on you would suggest that somebody that needs open heart surgery is, is going to have going on. So, you know, I've been curious since then to, to kind of read, to understand different things that affect heart health. And there are at least two things that can have a profound impact on heart health that were a regular part of my life. One, believe it or not, is you hear about these distance runners that drop dead of a heart attack. Long distance running. And by the way, almost nobody in this room is a long distance runner. Okay. If you ran three miles, that doesn't count. Okay. We're, we're talking like 70, 80 miles a week. When, when you're regularly doing that, there, that actually can, can contribute to plaque buildup in, in your arteries. And I had lots of years of doing that. And then a second thing. Staying up all night. I, I had 20s, 30s, 40s, all during those decades. That was a regular part of my life was, was going without sleep. I started in my 20s because I was a security guard, an all-night security guard, as you can tell by looking at me, a very coveted security guard. Because when you bring this kind of intimidation to the table, the whole place is secure. And, and so I, I had those years, and, and uh, because nothing was happening when I was there, uh, I'd, I'd get a lot of homework done. And man, I just got in the habit of all the work I could get done staying up all night. And most of the time, it wasn't stay up all night and then go home and go to bed early in the morning. No, I just would stay up all night and power through the next day. Usually have to go to bed pretty early the next night. But uh, I, I mean, I did that for years Hey, guess what? I almost always accomplished what I wanted to by not fueling, by not getting that sleep. Right up to the point that they cut my chest open and took my heart out. You you, you see, you can get away with something. You can say, I'm fine without the fuel, but, but somewhere the price is paid. Do you know why? Because I'm not bigger than how I was designed. I'm not bigger, I'm not more than what this body was designed to be and do. And it's not just the human body that works like that. I mean, our, our, our cars work like that too, right? I, I, I got a little red truck out there in the parking lot and it has like a, I mean, depending on how we drive, right? It has like a 325 mile range on it. And so when I get to like 310, 315, you know, it kind of wants me to pull into this thing called a... Uh, Gas station wants me to pull in there and get gas. And, and do you know that my opinions of gas stations is completely irrelevant? It doesn't matter what I think about the price of gas. Doesn't matter what I think about the bathroom in there. Doesn't, ma- doesn't matter what I think about the ambiance of the gas station. All of that is absolutely irrelevant if I want to keep going. I, I have to fuel the gas tank. You know, I was trying to think, trying to do the math on this. I think I've been to a gas station at least 3,000 times in my life. And do you know that not one time did I ever go home and say, hey, let me tell you about my trip to the gas station today. 
Let me tell you how fun it was, how inspiring it was. Let me tell you what happened to me there. No, none of that. I usually actually find going to the gas station kind of boring. But if I want to keep going, you go to the gas station, right? That's just the way it's worked. That's the way it's designed. And you know what, folks? You have a designer, And he has let you in on your design. And you need to be fueled. And I just switched gears on you, by the way, because I'm not talking about food and sleep. I'm not talking about your physical body. I'm talking about you spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And folks, when you look around at America and how we've ignored God's design, I'm going to go out on a limb and say America is not a picture Individual Americans are not a picture of spiritual, emotional, and mental health. Because we live life on fumes. Do do you remember what our designer said to us? Look up here. This is a verse I think might be familiar to us. It comes out of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath, the Sabbath day. That word Sabbath is often translated rest. You could understand it. Remember the rest. Remember the break. Remember the stop. Your designer has designed a stop in the cycle of your week. And that day should be kept holy. Now, what does holy mean? That's kind of a spooky word to some of us. Oh, you know, kind of angels and mystical. You know what the word holy means? It means distinct, separate, not like others. In other words, when we say that day is holy, we're just saying the seventh day is not like the other six. Now, six days, you labor. Six days, you work. You do all the stuff you got to do. The seventh day is a stop. The seventh day is a break. Now, it's not just a, a break to do nothing. It is a break to the Lord. It's a rest unto the Lord. There is a focus on what we do on this seventh day. On it, you shall not do any work. Now, don't hear that rule the way so many of us have heard it. You better go to church or else. Right? I mean, that's kind of how we hear that. Maybe we heard it from a pastor because, you know, it's like, that's what we do. (laughs) Maybe you heard it from a Sunday school teacher. Maybe mom and dad kind of brought that message to you. You go to church or else. I mean, if you don't go to church, God's not going to hear your prayers. If If you go to church, I'm not even sure God likes you. You know, I mean, hey, how are you going to get blessed in that big thing this week if you're not at church? You go to church or else. Now, we may have had a person or a variety of people we heard say that to us. But I want to tell you something. God is not one of the people who has said that to you. This is not God trying to bring a rule down on you. This is not God shaking his finger. This is the designer saying, hey, let me tell you how I've created you. So I've designed you to pretty much go after it for six days. And we usually think of that word as work as like what we do for a paycheck. And obviously that word includes what we do for a paycheck. But it actually includes all the work that we do to make life work. I mean, that that word includes running your kids to piano and softball and paying the bills and mowing the yard and getting groceries. And I mean, everything we do... To make life happen. God says, hey, I've designed you to be able to go physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, to go after it for six days. But on the seventh day, there needs to be a stop. I didn't design you to press past that over and over, but I I designed you to take that break, that stop. Do you know what happens in the stop? 
We have to trust the Lord. Because you know what we have a tendency to do all the rest of the time? Trust ourselves. Life is the product of my hands. It's what I make of it. So guess what? If I can get one more email out, if I can make one more call, hey, big game this week, let's get in one more practice. I mean, one more practice. Chance to be a little bit better. A chance to accomplish a little bit more. I mean, that's our nature. I make it happen. I do more. Now, all of a sudden, when I'm up against a stop, hey, how's it going to happen? Who's going to make my life? Oh, wait a minute. That's right. I'm actually not depending on my hands. I'm I'm depending on the Lord. I'm trusting in the Lord for that to happen. So in that break, we're reminded I'm to be trusting in his efforts, not mine. I I join him in what he's doing, not ask him to join me in, in what I'm doing. And so on this day, we, we take that break. We're reminded of that, tra- that trust, and it's unto the Lord. We remember. Exodus 20 started off with remember. Let me show you kind of a New Testament version of Exodus 20, a New Testament version of remember. It's in Hebrews 10. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another. To love each other, to love others, to love in general, because there's a lot of effort, there's a lot of work in loving people. Not everybody makes that easy to do, right? So we need to come in here and stir each other up. Hey, stay at it, stick with it, at loving people, at doing good. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't, don't, they had to say that 2,000 years ago. Don't, don't neglect this gathering. Just like you might say, well, I can neglect a meal, I can neglect sleep, and I will accomplish something. I'll, I'll, you know, I mean, if you neglect coming to church, you sleep in more, you have a little bit more relax this, relax, hey, I'm going to accomplish this today, do this. No, don't, don't neglect that. Don't let that become a habit. Boy, it's amazing how easy it becomes a habit, isn't it? It is one Sunday becomes two Sundays and then all of a sudden we're sick and that's a third Sunday and, and boom, pretty soon it's been, it's been a while. Don't let that happen in your life. D- don't neglect meeting together. You need the encouragement of one another. In that remembering, you need the encouraging. Remember, Jesus is coming back. And we don't want to be found on empty. We want to be sharp. We want to be full. So we need to be fueled because what if it's this week? That, that's what it's saying to us here. Now, now, what is it we need to remember? I come in here today, and I remember, hey, it's important to love God. As a matter of fact, let me, let, let, let's talk about what we remember because we come to church on, on any one given Sunday. Look at these verses up here. Now, I'm not teaching on these verses. That, that's not why I just threw them up there. I'm, I'm, the, the, the verses are just up there for an illustration. So I look up at these verses, and I mean, you're sitting in church today, and you just heard speak the truth. So you, because you came to church today, you are reminded you're not going to forget that telling the truth matters. I, I need to tell the truth. I need to deal with my anger. I need to be kind and forgiving, need to be pure. Boy, that's a message we need to hear. As a matter of fact, this is an interesting verse. Not only do I need to be pure, I've got to watch out what my life looks like I'm doing. See, it's not enough to say I'm innocent behind closed doors. I wasn't doing what it maybe looked like I was doing. No, God's saying right here, no, it actually matters what you look like you're doing because there's friends watching. There's family that's watching. And, and so it's not enough that you're just not doing anything. No, it matters what it 
looks like. And so, hey, you've been to church today. You've heard that. You remember truth, purity, forgiving, dealing with all. That all matters. Now, as you and I leave here today, here's what begins to happen. First of all, there's what goes on internally. There's a lot going on inside me that doesn't want anything to do with any of those. There's a lot going on inside me that actually wants to lie. That actually not only does not want to deal with my anger, but wants to feed on that anger. Wants to draw energy and life on that anger. And so there's all this internal stuff. And you know what? I want to. I believe a lot of you do. I really do want to obey this. But there's this stuff internally that's fighting that. Guess what? It takes energy. It runs my tank down. But it's not just what's going on internally. Because when I walk out of here today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to work. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to my iPod. I'm going to go to Netflix. And guess what's going to happen? I am, you are going to receive, not hundreds, thousands of messages in the next six days that are contrary to everything we saw in those verses. Absolutely going to fight that. And so I need to come back next Sunday so I can remember. Oh yeah, telling the truth matters. Now, let's think of remember. What's the opposite of remember? Forget. Okay, now I started thinking about that and thinking, you know, I... I think I could go a Sunday and not forget, couldn't you? I I think I could go 14 days and not forget that God said it's important to tell the truth. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if I don't come back till time change Sunday, 2030, I'm not coming back for 10 years to church. I'm guessing I'm still going to remember that in the Bible, it says, tell the truth. You you think I have that ability? You don't. Come on, this isn't the early crowd. I expected the 8 o'clock crowd to stare at me. Now, would you forget? If you didn't go to church for 10 years, would you forget that it says in the Bible to tell the truth? No, we, we know that. The problem isn't that, oh my gosh, I completely forgot. No, it's that, okay, tell the truth. Boy, it's placed right in front of me. And, and then in comes my iPod, and then in comes Netflix, and then in comes that person, and a thousand other messages. And I still know to tell the truth, but that message, that encouragement, it just gets further and further away. It doesn't take weeks or months, it takes days. And that message just gets pushed further and further back to, to where it's kind of vague. And so now refueling really kind of has the same idea of refocusing. It's not that I forgot. It's just that I'm pounded with so many messages that say the opposite. God is telling me, doesn't, doesn't matter what you think about yourself. God is telling you, I've designed you so that about every seven days, you need to come back in here and remember that telling the truth matters, forgiving matters, being kind matters, uh, dealing with anger matters. I mean, folks, when you consider what's going to happen to us, what we're going to hear and see and be involved with in the course of the next six days, you kind of wonder, how is this enough? That really, what that what we ought to be asking? How, how is this enough? This really isn't very much because the world and its messages, what's going on inside me, will not let up for one single second, and it fights every one of those messages. That's why God said, "Listen, I've designed you. You you need to come in here each week, and and you need to refuel. You, you know what else needs to be refueled? Worship." 
Worship needs to be, the, the spirit of worship, the, the, the singing of worship, the emotion of worship. It needs to be refueled every seven days. Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't need to go to church to worship? Yeah, of course. Have you ever said it? You don't have to answer. You, you know what I say when somebody says to me, because I, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> I don't need to go to church to worship. You know what I say? I hope not. I hope you are not dependent. I hope you don't need church to worship because about 95, 96, 97% of the worship you are going to do in life is going to happen outside of this room. Because see, God didn't say you need to go to church once a week and for an hour you need to worship me. Actually, what the scripture says is you need to worship me every day, all day, in every single situation. You're loving me. You're acknowledging me. You're worshiping me. You're giving thanks to me. Amen? But here's the problem. You and I might just this week run into somebody that makes it really hard to say, praise Jesus. We might say Jesus, but the word praise isn't in front of it, right? I mean, we're, we're going to have some people in our life like this. We're going to walk through some situations. I mean, I hope not. that's not what this week holds for you, but I mean, we've all been there. We're going to walk through some moments. We're going to walk through some situations, and praising God is not what comes to my mind. Actually, what comes to my mind is, are, are you even there, God? Do you even care? God, do you notice at all what is going on here? It seems like somebody who loves you and trusts you and prays, this shouldn't be happening. I mean, that's real. That happens. And when you're in that moment, praising is work. And you take about five seconds there, it'll drain your tank real quick. So I got to come back in here and get that tank fueled up because worshiping is work. Acknowledging, trusting, and giving thanks is work. I need the singing of the saints because sometimes the song is not inside me. I need the giving and thanks and and the worship of this room because sometimes it's just not there for me. I need this to be fueled. And the challenge isn't to see how empty I can get before I come back in here. No, the challenge is to make sure each week I'm, I'm keeping... I'm keeping the tank full because I don't actually know what this week holds. I don't know the person or the situation and how far down they might be able to take me. So I've, I've, I've got to keep fueled. That's what God says. That's the design I'm going to need. I'm going to need the encouragement and the song and the worship of you every seven days to keep this thing going. Now, folks, what do you and I do? Do we look to heaven and say, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm bigger than the designer. I'm bigger than the design. I am more than I was designed. I can go a long time. I, I can go Sunday after Sunday. You know, you know, folks, we are, we are not under law. We're under grace. Amen. We're not here today to try to earn and buy God's pleasure. Okay. Check Sunday off. I did that. Hopefully God likes me a little bit more. No, I, I have got all of God's pleasure. I, I don't need any more. I have all the pleasure he has for me because of his grace. We're, we're not in here today to try to earn that. Okay, we, it's real easy in understanding how much we need this day to get caught up in rules of what I do on Sunday or what I don't do on Sunday. You know, you got to go to church. You can't mow your yard. By the way, I, I hate people who mow the yard on Sunday because I'm, 
Honestly, I'm trying to take a nap. But, I, folks, I don't know that God's going to send the person mowing their yard on Sunday to hell. I, I, I don't really think that's what's going to happen. The issue is not what I'm doing or not doing. That, that's not what's being measured here. What's being measured here is me acknowledging my designer and, and, and thinking fresh each Sunday, what does it mean to stop in him? To rest in him. To not have a day that looks like the others. And, and yeah, when you're thinking, what, how, what do I do or not do today so that it doesn't look like the others? You tend to think, well, I probably shouldn't do this and this and this. And I, I probably should do this. But it's not rules. Man, it's just, the, it's just the joy of acknowledging the designer in my life. And what is going to help me spiritually, emotionally, mentally be prepared for the week that is ahead. Because some of us might have a hard week ahead, right? Your designer knows that. So folks, to, to faithfully, and that's the key word here. To faithfully acknowledge the Lord, trust the Lord, love the Lord, to, to serve the Lord and, and do the good works, for, for that to happen in my life. And I'm assuming that most of us want to acknowledge the Lord, right? That's why you're here this morning. On time change Sunday, the hardest Sunday of the year to come to church. But you do, you want to acknowledge the Lord. You want to love the Lord. You want to do the good works. The operative word is to faithfully, to consistently, to regularly keep doing that. God has said, I've not designed you to be able to do that for any amount of time without the fuel of this gathering, without the directions of this gathering. God said, you need this. And that's not Him saying, you better go to church or else. That's him saying, you know, I've made you with about a 325-mile tank. And, and, and most of you come Saturday about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. You're rolling on about 311, 315, 319. And if you go sailing by the gas station, you just greatly increase the odds. You're going to end up stranded and empty on the side of the road. Now, here's the problem with what I just said. Almost nobody believes it. Almost nobody believes they're living stranded and empty on the side of the road. Do you know why? Because an empty, stranded faith has become our norm. That, I'm saying that as it's a fact. That's not a fact. It is my fear for the American Christian. It is my fear for the American Christian that this gathering has become so irregular in our lives. And because of it, we've learned to live life on empty. We've learned to live life on stranded. So we don't even notice. We don't even notice how shallow and empty our faith is. How shallow and empty our devotion to the Lord is. Almost anything can break us because we're living on fumes. How important? What did Hebrews say to us? Hey, you know, you do realize God's coming back. And in the urgency of that truth, God is coming. I don't want him to come back this week and find me empty on the side of the road. I don't want him to find me stranded. And guess what? God doesn't want to find you stranded. God's not trying to sneak up on you and catch you. Ah, caught you. You're on empty. No, he gave you and I the church so that we would never have to worry. Never have to be anxious about being found empty and stranded. Boy, folks, as we celebrate 100 years at the Heights, 
I sure am grateful for the gas station he's given me to pull into each week. Here at the Heights, we value God's design for gathering. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, gosh, I'm talking to a group of people that are here on Time Change Sunday. Uh, Obviously, they have some commitment and belief about the value of of gathering. Lord, I pray we're encouraged. We're reminded that 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 actually is a very significant thing you've said, a, a very significant thing you've talked about. Lord, guard us from thinking we're above the design. Guard us from thinking we're more than the design. Lord, several of these passages had the idea of encouraging one another in this gathering. Lord, my guess is all through this room are people who have watched good friends slowly and surely move right out of life in the church into living life on empty. And we didn't say a word. We, we thought kindness and love was just respecting each, each person's choice and whatever they want to do. Oh God, may we live with the urgency that, that you're coming back. How we live counts. How we live matters. And it is so draining. It is so exhausting. So often to have that faith, have that obedience. God, may we be committed to refueling. May we care about our friends and whether they're refueling. And may we be that encouragement in each other's life. Lord, Lord I, just, I just want to say it again. I thank you so much for the place you've given me to pull in each week. And refuel and refocus. And just stop in you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen.